uh, to serve the Lord and honor the Lord. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6 tonight. The Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go. and When he is old, he will not depart from it. I thank God for that verse tonight, don't you? Thank God for the truth. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, once again tonight for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be back in church. Thank you for the good testimonies we've heard tonight, or the good singing, or how it encouraged my heart and blessed my spirit. I pray, God, tonight that you would bless this scripture, this thought, this message you put on our heart. I pray, God, we'd see no man save Jesus only. May you be high and lifted up. Speak to every heart tonight, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We have been preaching out of this verse about the importance of training up our children. I'm not going to go through all the introduction, but we understand that word train up uh, is the same word and the same idea as Ephesians 6, 4, where Paul says, And ye fathers, uh, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so if I'm going to bring my children up, that means I've got to come with them. And so we, we need saved children and we need spiritual children, but we need saved parents and we need spiritual parents, amen, and so that is what our burden has been about being an example before our children, we talked about last Sunday morning about how we ought to train them up in the way of salvation, amen and then last Sunday night uh, we preached about how we ought to train them up in the way of separation, and then this morning we tried to preach about Samuel, how his parents raised him up in the sanctuary, and as I was meditating this afternoon about what the Lord would have us, what direction he'd have us go tonight I thought about this, and I kind of touched on a little bit this morning, but I do want to emphasize a little bit more of it tonight. But I believe tonight, I believe we ought to train up our children in the way of sincere worship. Amen. I believe our children need to know how to worship God and how to praise God. I said it this morning. I'll say it again. Children are imitators. They learn everything they do by watching us. That's how they learn how to walk and how they talk and how they eat by watching us and by learning from us. And so if they're going to walk like us, if they're going to walk, they're going to have to watch us. If they're going to learn how to eat, we're going to have to teach them. And if they're going to worship God, then they're going to have to have some influences in their life that's going to teach them how to worship God. Well, preacher, I'm just not an emotional person. You're a liar is what you are. You're emotional about what you love tonight. And if you don't have any emotions about the Lord, uh, then you must not love the Lord tonight. Amen. I tell you tonight, I love my sport teams, I love my family I, I, love, I, love, I love this country, I, I love what I do, but I should not love anything and I should not get excited about anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ in my life, and my children need to know that, my family needs to know that there is nothing more important in this life than the Lord Jesus Christ, I tell you, what, what, so what if you give your family a nice house, and you give them a lot of food, and you give them a lot of money a lot of material things, but you don't don't give them a goodly heritage and you don't raise your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. What good is that going to do them on down the road? I'll tell you, the psalmist said, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yay, I have a goodly heritage. You may say, preacher, I don't have a goodly heritage. I'm a first generation Christian. Well, thank God you can start a goodly heritage to pass down to your children and to pass down the next generation. But I'm telling you tonight, we, we, we talk about the days gone by of those churches and those preachers 
preachers, how them people would come in there and they'd sing and they would shout and the glory of God would fall and the people of God would worship. But it seems now the average church is dead and cold and there's no life and there's no excitement and there's no joy and there's no enthusiasm. I'm going to tell you where that broke down at. It broke down at home because moms and dads quit worshiping God. And so they raised a generation of children that don't worship God. Hey, my Bible still says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. The Bible said that we're to give thanks to the Lord and we're to praise His name. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're to enter into His courts of praise and with thanksgiving make a joyful noise to the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. We ought to be happy about serving God. Why would my children want to serve God if it looks like it's killing me? Why would my family, why would my children want to serve the Lord? And and can I just say this tonight? We need some adults that will quit fooling around and living on the edge. I've got young people in this church that are more sincerious about serving God than some adults are. And that's, I thank God for it, but that's a shame. The adults ought to be setting the example for the young people. And ought to be leading them. And ought to be showing forth an example. But some people just come to church and mark it off their checklist. I tell you, that's going to harm your children. That's going to harm your influence. For our example tonight of this scripture, I want us to go to Genesis chapter number 22. Genesis chapter 22 for the illustration of what I want to deal with tonight about worship and about uh, sincere worship. We know when we come to Genesis 22, I have preached from this text numerous times, but if you'll allow me to look at it at a little bit of a different angle, maybe a practical angle tonight in Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 7, and then we'll read some other verses in the text. But notice what Isaac said. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said behold the fire and the wood watch what he asked now but where is the lamb for a burnt offering now it's interesting to know in this text tonight that that Isaac asked Abraham where is the lamb he said father we have the wood we have the fire that fire was probably a bucket of coals that they would use to stir up the embers to make that sacrifice Isaac knows they're going up the mountain to worship God and to make a sacrifice Isaac's probably uh, in his mid-twenties, maybe early thirties, and he's walking up that mountain with, with his daddy Abraham, and they get up there, and Isaac says, Daddy, we've got all the necessary instruments for worship, but where is the lamb? Now, i got a question to ask you. How did Isaac know what was needed for the sacrifice? The Levitical law would not be written for 400 years. Moses would not write down the law of sacrifices, all the meat offerings and the peace offerings. He would not do that for 400 years. How did Isaac know that? Because Abraham taught him. That's what God said about Abraham in Genesis 18. He said, I know him. He's going to command his house in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to tell you tonight, if our families are going to serve God, if our children are going to worship God, then it is up to you. You and I as parents, and it's up to you and I as church members to set an example for these children and teach them how to worship and how to praise God. Amen. Amen. There shouldn't be a man one in this church that don't say amen to the preaching. 
It's exactly right. Shouldn't be one man in this church that don't say amen to the preacher. The word amen means I agree with that. So I said, preacher, what's the big deal about that? I got little boys around here that need to learn how to say amen in church. And it needs to be more. And you know what really bothers me? It bothers me. And I don't mean this wrong, but Brother Richie's out or Brother Charles is out. It's quiet as a mouse in here. Hello? Amen. I tell our preachers, they're supposed to say amen 25 times in every message. If you can't amen the truth, you ought not preach the truth. Amen. I'm just telling you, we ought to raise up our children to say amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, they don't understand it all, preacher. I'm telling you, that you let the understanding come, but you get them in that habit of openly embarrassing their flesh and not worrying about their pride and not worrying about what everybody thinks. That's the problem with a lot of adults tonight. You're worried about what everybody thinks about you, you're not cool, you're not hip, you're old, amen, nobody nobody cares about that anymore, we're not in high school anymore, I tell you, we ought to drop our pride, some of you, I've been your pastor almost 10 years, I've never seen you in an altar, I've never heard you give a testimony, I've never seen you shed a tear, I've never seen you have a desire for the things of God, that bothers me, bothers me, number one, as your pastor, but it bothers me, I got all these children, because I'd hate to know that these children took after your example and become a dead church member. Amen. There ain't no need. God has no use, and neither do I, for dead church members. They don't do me or God any good. Amen. I know that's rough. It was, it's not as rough as it was last Sunday night. Amen. We thinned the crowd, the crowd down a little bit from last Sunday night. But I'm just telling you tonight, I'm just telling you, we have a responsibility to teach our children how to worship. What I love in this text... Somebody said, Preacher, why are you picking on the men? Because Sarah's not taking them up the mountain in this text. That's not saying that women can't say amen. I don't think they need to be the dominant ameners in the church. That's just a little pet peeve of mine. I don't mind if ladies say amen, but there's nothing more uh, uh, irritating to me as a preacher and hearing, hearing a woman say amen and the man's sitting there asleep. All right, wake up, dude. <laughs> amen. I'm telling you, it was Abraham that took the initiative to lead his family. I'm not preaching against women saying amen and shouting. You know me better than that. But what I'm saying, the men ought to be leading that. Hey, you go to a church where the women do the shouting, the men don't say nothing, I promise you, the women ain't only shouting at church. (laughs) They're shouting at the house too, and it ain't glorifying God at the house. Amen. Woo, I felt a snug right there. And, and you know what? If I go around it, I lose ground, so I'm going to back up and hit it again. Amen. I tell you, the man is to be the leader in the home. Amen. He is to lead his family. That's not, that's not being a, a male chauvinist, and that's not putting women down, but that is God's order. Say amen, ladies. That was good. I couldn't tell if I was some of the ladies or some of the men. I've never heard some of you men say amen. And so it sounded a little effeminate to me. Amen. I'm just telling you, the men ought to lead their family in worship. Abraham took Isaac up this mountain. I want to say four things about this. I hadn't planned on preaching this tonight. I had this outline. I had, Brother Lance said don't say this, but I have two outlines in my Bible, but I've done too far into this one now to quit. Amen. That's what Brother, that's what Brother Epps would say, all right? I want to say four things. I, this is the right message. I got, I got peace in my heart. This is the right message tonight. There's four things about worship that Abraham taught Isaac in this text. Number one, he taught him the demanded priority of worship. 
In our text tonight, God comes to Abraham in verse number 1 and verse number 2 and says, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Abraham realized that he had a mandate. He had orders from God to worship. Did you know you got that same mandate tonight? You've got that same order tonight. The Bible said that God is a spirit and they that worship Him must, didn't say might, they must worship Him in spirit and in truth. A.P. Gibbs said, he broke down this little thought this way. He said somebody could say, Lord, save my soul. That is a prayer. And then someone could say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. That's praise. But if someone was to say, thank you, Lord, for who you are, that is worship tonight. Amen. I want to say I'm glad he saved my soul. He made a difference in my life. But our worship tonight is thanking him for who he is and what he is. Praise is what we thank him for who, what he's done. But worship is when we praise him for who he is. We have orders to do that tonight. The Bible said the Father seeketh such to worship him. Is there a such in here tonight? Because he's, he's looking for such. See, such got saved in 1 Corinthians 6. Such were some of you. But you're washed. But you're justified. When such got saved, such ought to be worshiping because God's looking for that man named such. Are you, hitting, are you helping me tonight? If you got saved in 1 Corinthians 6, you got what? Anybody get washed? Anybody get justified? Anybody get reconciled to God? If you're that such in 1 Corinthians 6, then God's looking for that man named such in John 4. The Father seeketh such to worship Him. It's funny when people go looking for a church, what they go looking for. Programs, something for their kids, and I'm not against all that. I'm just fine, whatever. I'm I'm not against all that. I'm just against all that. But you know what? The kind of church God looks for, He looks for a church where they worship Him. Amen. And by the way, that's not a church you ought to look for. Not where they worship the preacher, not where they worship the singers, but where they worship Jesus. Amen. So there's the orders, but then there's the obedience in this text. Abraham didn't argue with God. He just got up and obeyed God. That's some of your problem. That's why you won't worship. You're arguing with God. Amen. You know why I had to nominate people to give testimonies? Because some of y'all won't give testimonies. Amen. Why? Because you got that pride. You got that flesh. I tell you, everybody, everybody in the world ought to get saved. After they get saved, they ought to help somebody else get saved. And then before they die, they ought to have an old-fashioned shouting spell where they embarrass their flesh and just give God glory. I'm talking about women where your mascara runs and you look like a raccoon where it's just running all over. I'm, I'm against waterproof mascara, by the way. Man, I remember the old days where you could tell you'd been to church, a woman's hair was messed up, and she looked like she had black lines running down her face. Amen. I, you, these these modern-day women, you can't tell if they shattered or not. Amen. Somebody said they used to shout their hair down. Now they just shout it off. Amen. But I'm just telling you tonight. <laughs> Amen. You'll get that later. I'm just telling you tonight that you have to embarrass your flesh. I remember years ago, my daddy telling a story, he was in a meeting, and uh, it got on real good, and these people were up singing, and God was a blessing, and God was a moving, and daddy was probably in his early 20s, just getting started in the ministry, he said, I sit on the front row, he said, Lord, pulling my heart while they were singing, he said, the Lord said, run up there and grab that Christian flag and wave it, and run around the building and shout, and daddy said, ah, this ain't really a, 
out. He wasn't at his home church. He was at a business church at a, camp, at, a, at a conference. And Daddy said, this really ain't a flag-waving church, you know. This really ain't them kind of... Daddy said, you better do that. And the Lord, Lord told us, he said, you better do that. And Daddy said, I don't know. About that time, a young preacher jumped up, ran to the platform, grabbed that flag, and ran around the building. And Daddy said, and Daddy said he saw that, saw that man doing that, shouting, and he thought, that should have been me. Amen. So the next time that happened, he was in a meeting, and he said, the Lord put that on his heart. And he said, he, he said, I, he said, I caught myself, I said that loud. Somehow to grab that flag and run around the building. He said, there's a little old lady sitting behind me that heard him. She said, son, if I could, I would. Daddy said, that's all it took. <laughs> I understand, embarrass your flesh. See, our problem is we think too much of ourselves. We're like that Pharisee. <laughs> Lord, I think I'm not like this man. And that publican said, God, just be merciful to me, a sinner. You won't worship till you admit what you really are. And I'm convinced, Brother Richie, by the way, I'm reason a lot of people don't worship because they've never been born again. Why would they worship? There's the demanded priority of worship. This making any sense? Secondly, there's the, there is the described place of worship. You know what God told Abraham in this text? He said, get thee to Moriah, one of the mountains of Moriah. He said, if you're going to worship me, there is, first of all, there is a specific place you're supposed to go. Amen. Hey, I still believe there is a specific church you're supposed to go to for you and your family. There is a specific place for you to go and worship God. Amen. And I hope it's here. I hope you found the will of God here. This is the place I'm supposed to worship with my family. Amen. I hope it's the place you're supposed to worship with your family. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, it was a specific place. It was a summon place. God called him to that place. Does God, do you have a desire to get to the house of God and worship? Do you have a desire to get to that place and worship God? Do you have that desire to get into his presence? Sadly, church now, in a lot of places, has become a social club. Can I say this tonight? I appreciate, and, and they'll know what I mean. I like, I like wearing nice suits. I like that my wife wears nice dresses. And I appreciate, I appreciate guys who come in, boy, I like that tie. Boy, I like that suit. Ladies, boy, I like that dress. And that's all good. But let's not make it a competition around here. Let's never make it a competition. Let's who I can outdress. That ain't what it's about. This ain't a social club. Uh, thank God for nice vehicles. And if God bless you with a vehicle, I say, praise God. Gave a vehicle. But don't, don't get, let's not get in a vehicle battle. Let's not get buying things and get in a battle where we're trying to compete against one another. All that does is causes disunity and it causes division and it causes problems. I'll tell you what we need to do. I'm not against you having nice things. I think you ought to wear your very best. It ain't got to be new, but you wear the best you have and you honor God and, make, and be modest. I, you understand what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, it is about getting to that place of worship. A couple of years ago, we had all that goofiness break out in this country. Or that one stage of goofiness. Oh, by the way, we don't have to social distance no more. Whatever. I regret we ever went out in the parking lot. I really do. I, I regret we ever did that. We, could, we should have just kept on having church. But we were operating in the dark doing the best we can. Looking back on it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back on it, we should have just went on and shouted the victory. But we didn't. And, uh, and God, God helped us and, and we made it. But here's my point tonight. I'll tell you what them four weeks did teach me. And I believe it taught our church is the fellowship we have and the unity we have. We've got to protect it because it can be gone just like that. May God help us to realize how precious this place is.
So there is a, there is first of all in this text a demanded priority. There is a described place. Number three, there's a detailed process. Look at verse number six of our text. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went them to uh, went went both of them together. Abraham told Isaac that he could not just worship God any way he wanted to. There were specific items he needed. First of all, there's preparation. Before they ever left the house, they got preparations together to take to worship God. They got the wood. They got the fire. They got all those things together before they ever left the house. Did you bring the Lord anything tonight? I'm not talking about your check. We want your check. But that ain't what I'm talking about. You ought, you ought to always come to church with a testimony, just in case you're called upon. Especially now. You ought to come and say, if, if I get called on to testify, what, I, what am I going to say? If I get called on the bride of the Lord, what can I thank God for today? You know the rules. We don't talk about politics. We don't want to talk about the devil. We don't want to hear nothing about the bad. We want to brag on Jesus. If you want to talk about something bad, go out in the parking lot after church far away from me. Amen. When we come in here, we're here to brag on the Lord. And we're here to honor Him and glorify Him. But did you bring the Lord anything? Did you bring Him? Did you plan on singing tonight? I'm not talking about special. I'm talking about congregational. We sing congregational. Did you plan on singing your very best? Did you bring your Bible tonight? Did you plan on praying? I know some people don't plan on worshiping because they don't bring their Bible. They don't pick up a song but while we're singing. Duh, I watch y'all. I'm, I'm, it's not like I oh, can't see, can't see. I see. I know who brings their Bible. I know who gets a song book, and I know who don't. So I said, well, do you know what I give? I wouldn't worry about what you give. I'd be more worried about bringing my Bible to church first. Amen. I'm just telling you. It's like going to a buffet without a plate or a spoon or a fork or a knife. What's the point? I'm telling you, there, there's preparation. He brought transportation. That donkey is what got him to the place of worship. He brought the second generation. He brought those two young men. He brought participation, the burnt offering. He was bringing something to put on that, to, that fire. Watch what, he, man, i got to hurry. But he brought them coals in that bucket because he knew there might not be a fire. There ain't going to be a fire when I get there. So I'm going to bring one with me. Can I preach right there a minute? You know what a lot of people do? They don't bring no fire to church with them. Oh, our pastor, he's, he's going he's to stir us all up. And he's going to get us all ready. Well, I understand I'm to stir up your pure minds. But it wouldn't hurt some of y'all to have a little fire in your bucket when you got here. You know what's good about having that fire in that bucket? It didn't take much to get a fire going when they got on top of the mountain and start worshiping. You don't see Abraham wrestling with that. We're wrestling with them coals trying to get the fire started. It was already ready and going. Are you, are, did you bring any fire with you tonight? Did you come prepared for God? Hey, I come prepared to shout tonight. I come prepared to pray tonight. I come prepared to sing tonight. Why? Because that's why we're here. Not to take up 18 to 24 inches on a pew. We come to worship tonight. Did you bring him anything? Did you bring any fire? In the book of Exodus, uh, I, the message I studied today, in the book of Exodus, the people were supposed to bring that pure olive oil beaten for the light. And that oil was to be used in the lamp, in the menorah, in the tabernacle to keep the light burning. But in 1 Samuel chapter number 3, the Bible said, Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple. You know why the light went out? Because the people weren't bringing the oil. 
know what they were doing? Well, so-and-so will have it. Well, sister so-and-so, she always brings oil. Come on now. You are responsible for this service just as much as I am tonight. Amen. We got to take that personal. Amen. I didn't, I didn't think I had this much to preach, but, I, but things are just popping up all over the place. We got a good church here, and I thank God for that. And I ain't talking about necessarily kicking out the windows and running the aisles every service. By the way, that ain't what worship is. That's praise. I've been in a lot of worship services where it's quiet as a mouse. and People were just in an altar weeping, and, and there was a sweet spirit, and God was just moving and touching hearts. What did you come for tonight? Why are you here? Amen. Some of you can't get off your phone during church. I know you ain't praying. I'm half a mind to come back here and rip it out of your hand. Amen. Somebody said, I'll get you. You're going to get me with 75 people watching you? <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> I'm telling you, we, we're so disrespectful in God's house. It used to be balancing the checkbook, now it's scrolling through Facebook. Hello? Why are you here? Why are you here? You certainly didn't bring any oil. May God help us. He brought preparation. Notice the particulars in verse number 6. Once they got to the place of worship, there are some things he left behind. There are some things he took. He took, he took that wood. He took the fire. You know, he took up that mountain, he took a knife. What was that knife for? To slay the flesh. Flesh was going to die on that mountain that day. By the way, if worship is going to take place, the flesh is going to have to die. Some of y'all are wondering, if he's seen me on my phone, I may have and I may not, but I wouldn't pull it out no more. I ain't talking about Steve. He's videoing me. Amen. I'm talk, I'm, I'm, he ain't on Facebook. This will be on Facebook later. What I'm saying tonight, he, he said, when we get up on that man, we're going to worship God, the flesh is going to die. You can't, you can't worship God and your flesh that old nature, when I say the flesh, in front of that old nature, be rising up. I have praised God before in the flesh. But I've never worshipped God before in the flesh. Can't do it. Why? Because God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That spirit is the Holy Spirit, and that truth is that King James Bible right there. Amen? Well, let me... If y'all thought... Y'all, these Sunday night sermons are getting harder, ain't they? You know what's sad? And I, I got one point and I got eight minutes till, I, till seven o'clock. You know what's sad? I told this to some, the thing with Miss Vonda when we was leaving Sunday night. I said, sadly, preachers used to preach this hard every service. They, they, they had plowed deep, scald hide, tell the truth. And you know what? People appreciated that. They appreciated a man being honest. And I'm not getting any dirty looks tonight. I can't see. I ain't got my glasses on. So I don't know if I am or not. But now if a preacher gets up and gets a little confrontational and tells you to get off your cell phone during church and tells you that you ought to be faithful and that you have no excuse for not being worshipped and not giving God praise, well, who does he think he is? What is all that about? I come here to feel better. Church ain't about you feeling good. Amen. Church is about worshipping him. Church ain't about you. Church is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that leads me to my last point. There is, the, there is the demanded priority of worship. There is the described place of worship. There is the detailed process of worship. But there is the definite point of worship. What did Isaac say when he got to the mountain? 
He said, Where, we got the wood, we got the fire. He didn't say, where's the choir? That ain't what he said. He didn't say, where's the preacher? You know what he said? Where's the lamb? He said, if we're going to worship, we've got to have the lamb. Mm. I'm telling you, if we're going to worship, we've got to have him tonight. Got to have him. All is in vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Heard a man make this statement years ago out of this text. He said, without the lamb up on that mountain, somebody would have got hurt in that service. If the lamb hadn't showed up, somebody would have got hurt. I tell you, we need him tonight. We need him desperately. We need him to touch. We need him to move. We need him to forgive us of our sins and our iniquity and our transgression against God. We need God to move. It's all about the lamb in this text. It's all about the lamb. I was reading this morning in my personal Bible reading. Can I just share what the Lord spoke to my heart about? Is that okay? In the book of Nehemiah, I was reading when they got that wall built. And I may preach on this sometime, but I was looking at it this morning. And Nehemiah chapter 9, they began to pray and they began to confess before God. And here's what they did. Nehemiah 9, 3. And they stood in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one-fourth part of the day. Somebody help me. 24 hours a day, what's a fourth of 24 hours? Anybody know? Six. They read the Bible for six hours. And they read Genesis through Deuteronomy. Not the most exciting scriptures. Here's what They read that. And then the next six hours, you know what they did? Nehemiah 9.3. And another fourth part, they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. And I wrote this down this morning in my devotions. Confession and worship go together. You know what, somebody said, Preacher, how does that go together? Confessing my sin and worshiping God. Confessing your sin is, God, I am wicked. I am sorry, but God, you are good. And God, you are great. And God, you're holy. And God, you're right. And they've done that for six hours. That's a 12-hour service. And we thought dry ground was a long service. Amen. But I'm just telling you tonight, I'm just telling you, 12 hours, they confessed and they worshiped God. You read Nehemiah 9 and all the things that went on. Yeah, they basically said, God, we are sorry and we are wicked. He said, but you're, they said, how about this phrase? Because of your manifold mercies. I tell you, that's what worship's about tonight. Worship's about the Lamb. A lot of people can't, and I'm not speaking of y'all tonight. I, don't, I really don't sense this here. A lot of people can't worship if their favorite singer ain't singing, their favorite preacher ain't preaching. They can't get into it. I know, I understand tonight that I have an outgoing personality. I'm not a charismatic, but I understand I have a charismatic personality. I understand I, I enter the room mouth first. I was waiting on that. <laughs> I was waiting for Patty or Grace or Janice. I knew one of those three would have an amen, all right? I understand that. But you all be able to have a worship service when I'm going preaching a revival. Well, the preacher ain't here. I understand, I understand it's different. It was different when Daddy was gone and I'd moderate meetings at the church. I understand that. It's always different. But you've worshipped God before. I hope you've worshipped God without me before in your prayer time. 
in your Bible reading time. I'm telling you tonight, it's all about Him. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the singer. It's not about the song. It's, not about, it's about Jesus Christ. Isaac understood that. He said, Father, if we're going to worship, we've got to have a lamb. You know what we're good at doing, Brother Tony? We're good at going to church without the lamb. Are y'all picking up my heart tonight? You know what our kids need to know? Our kids ought to know. We can't worship without him. Come on, Brother Matthew. People, I got preachers that pick on me because we have short services. And I don't preach long. And that's fine. That's okay. But I would rather, Brother David Shelton said, I'd rather be digging a hole on the backside of the moon with a spoon as to try to preach and have church without God there. We need him. He's here tonight. I sense him in my soul. I sense him all through the service tonight. He's here. Why don't we worship him? So I said, preacher, what's worship? It's when you come down to an altar and you don't ask God for anything. We don't know how to do that, do we? I, we, we can bring our petitions. We can bring our needs. We should. He invites us to do that. But that's not worship. That's prayer. Worship is when we come down and say, Lord, I don't need anything. I mean, I need some things, but that ain't why I'm here right now. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being God. I try to, I try to pray every time. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place. He rose again on the third. I try to pray the gospel to remind myself. When's the last time you just come down and you didn't ask him for anything? Preacher, I got a lot of burdens. Don't ask him for anything tonight. Just come love on him. Because our children need to know you can't worship without the lamb. Let's stand together. I appreciate your attention tonight. Try to deliver the burden of my heart tonight.